Welcome to How to Rock the Stage Show, a show committed to equipping you to hone your media skills better to stand out from the crowd as a go-to expert in your field. Each week, Rich Montreger interviews top leaders, influencers, authors, speakers, podcasters, and media professionals about how to leverage media best to help you shine brighter on camera and stage as a go-to expert. Now, here's your host, The Trigger, Rich Von Trigger. Thank you, Dan, once again, and welcome back to How to Rock the Stage. Wednesday night, we're live streaming multiple channels to help you shine on camera and shine on stage and grow in your area of industry and leadership. And we're in for a great conversation tonight uh, about creativity, about unleashing your creativity. And I'm not going to spoil it yet, so hang tight. But we do want to thank you for being here tonight. And I also do want to thank our sponsors for making this uh, possible. I love working with the National Speakers Association. I'm part of the NSA, and the NSA is a proud partner to help make Rock the Stage stream live every week on multiple channels to help you learn how to better rock your stage. And we also want to welcome our brand new partner, Avita Studios. Avita Studios is powerful. Let me properly introduce him to them. Avita is an experienced team of uh, podcasters, engineers. They produce state-of-the-art remote recording processes, bringing your message through the market fast. They work with you to produce your audiobooks, your podcasting series, and distribute it widely through the marketplace. For more information to learn about Adavita and how they can help you, go to Adavita.com. Now we've got that hard work out of the way. Shoo, that's done. Now we get into fun because we're talking about creativity unleashed. I love talking about creativity. I love about people figuring out what their passions, what their gifts, and how they can better shine on camera and shine on stage. Today we have film director, award-winning film director, Sergio Navarrete with us. He's an internationally award-winning director who is fiercely passionate about bringing meaningful content on screen. And he's had a great film recently come out called The Cuban. We'll talk about that tonight. One of my all-time favorite actors, Lou Gossett Jr. was featured in that and a long list of others that we will probably mention as well. The Cuban, by the way, features a character called Louis a man suffering from Alzheimer's and the disconnection from the world. We'll touch on that because it's a very timely subject for many, many people. And by the way, just before Sergio comes on, he is a proud to have the executive producer of an animated uh, series as well, film, The Arctic Dog, out on Netflix. So welcome to the stage, Sergio. I, I, I just love saying Sergio. It's kind of like share. You don't need anything else, do you? I say it's my stage name. Like, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I was bullied and beat up to have that name as a kid, but now it's an honor to, to, uh, you know, to carry on my heritage and my ethnicity. And, uh, it's kind of cool to have, a you know, kind of a ethnic sounding name nowadays. Well, it's not as good as trigger, but it's close. I love trigger trigger. <laughs> it's like, man. Yeah. If I had the name rich, I would have like avoided a lot of, uh, schoolyard battles <laughs> tell you that much so we're going to talk about unleashing your creativity tonight and you actually have a podcast on this what got you thinking about this i mean you're you're a director you're a producer has this always been a part of your mindset or was this kind of a haha that i get to talk about creativity yeah it was actually um 
the pandemic. So when the world shut down, you know, we were at the sort of the crossroads of a, an exciting time in, in my career where, we you know, we were going to release uh, the film, The Cuban and run an Oscar nomination campaign and do all the things that I had always dreamed about. Uh, but unfortunately, the world shut down. So um, so what do you do? And so that, I think, kind of forced me to slow down like many people. And it was sort of a reset and an opportunity to look inside and uh, really reflect on, you know, what I want to spend the next several decades, God willing, uh, doing in the creative spaces. And, uh, and I started reflecting a lot on this idea of creativity and where do ideas come from? And there seems to be this kind of like push and pull, like society is pulling you to, you know, pay bills and hustle and run and, you know, go to the grocery store and run errands, uh, which is kind of like, you know, uh, everything but being creative. Yes. Uh, so I, I was kind of like uh, just pondering that idea is like, how, how do we live a more creative life? What is creativity? Where does it come from? And how do we get more of it? Because I, I really feel that we're moving into a world where creativity is going to matter. I mean, we're moving out of the industrial revolution, you know, we don't need people sitting in a parking lot ticket booth anymore for 12 hours collecting tickets. We want people out there in the world creating things and making this world a better place. So as, as you say that, I, I, I think there is a tug of war and it's been there for decades that I think people want to express, they want to be creative, but the fear is, and, and I'm sure you probably went this went through this on your own journey of they may laugh at me. I may not be as good. My creative idea may be just so whacked out. No one's going to want to watch or listen. Talk through that tension there. What's it like to be a creative, but you haven't released that creativity? Well, you know, when I, um, I worked with real works in New York and being black in Canada, two organizations where I was a mentor. And, and I think what I learned from that is that all voices matter. And we have an innate gift in us to be creative. And, you know, I was watching a series last night um, with my family on Gaia on a network, and they were talking about the science behind, you know, the universe and where ideas come from and, you know, tapping. So I, I don't know. I think um, I have this feeling that the most creative geniuses um, of our time and even in history figured out how to tap that, uh, whether it's a, you know, divine spiritual connection or whether yeah. ideas are somewhere in the ether and you, you become a vessel to channel those ideas. I'm not sure, but, um, definitely I think when, when we're, when we go to sleep at night and we're in that dream state or when we wake up, we say, you know, there's something familiar here going on. I know I'm meant to be creative, but the world is telling me to, go get a job and, you know, go pay the rent. So I definitely feel that tug of war. And I don't know if it's some sinister intention that's like a global effort to shut down creativity, which hopefully is not the case. But, um, but I think as we move forward, like I said earlier, we have to find ways to harness that creativity and really encourage children who are born geniuses, according to NASA. And then that genius is beat out of them by the time they're 10, 10, 12, 15 years old. I mean, that's Get back inside the box. Terrifying. Inside the box. Yeah. Whereas creativity is the expression of there is no box and it's ever right. expanding, which again, that's why I love film and creative uh, people like you that bring the, 
the stories and the image to life, you bring that creativity. Uh, you know, when I was watching the Cuban, it's not just the acting. And again, Lou Gossett doesn't speak a lot because of the Alzheimer's, but then you add the music and there is a story being told through creative elements that you get sucked into. Where does that come from for you? Is, is this innate for you? Is this something you, is it in that dream state where it comes out or is this a planning board? You do the process of the board. Where, where does all that come from? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I learned at some point to stop believing my thoughts and, uh, you know, because our brains lie to us all the time to either keep us safe or we're just running old records. Um, so I try to get into that flow state. And, you know, I started in music and um, and through life experience, I, I sort of draw on all the elements. I did early on study acting just so I can understand actors and their process and respect what they do. So that was helpful. Um, and so, you know, I found that directing was the only job where I could sort of um, bring in all those elements and, and draw from, from life experience. And, and it also, it uh, keeps me stimulated. I think if I did one thing, I would be bored. Because you're producing, you're, you're, you're directing, you're interacting with people with the emotion, the drama, the drama of the scene, the drama offstage very often, producers and money, you're, you're, your mind's got to be going a hundred different directions. And then you say action and the world stops. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, that's why I've taken up Aikido and, and Qigong and other things because I have to, to learn how to, so technology like these wonderful devices that keep us connected to the world. Um, I found that I started having trouble focusing and for for a person who was very introverted as a kid and I could like laser focus on something I was interested in what happened so so I have to kind of like retrain myself to to be able to focus so you're right when I do call action I'm in complete zen state I mean there could be bombs going off in the background and they often are and on a film set and producers freaking out and you know there, there's always some drama going on somewhere out there but my focus is really being there for the actors and and I learned that whatever, you know, none of the drama is important. Uh, you know, it's fun to tell in interviews and an anecdotally, but all people care about is what's in that frame. And so I have to respect that and, uh, and really train my mind to, to focus on what's important. So what are some of those rituals or best practices you have to get in that flow state to keep creativity at the forefront of what you do? Yeah. So, uh, you know, my background, my heritage is, is Italian. My parents were Italian immigrants. They moved to Canada. And so we're, we're very, uh, I'm going to make a massive generalization a statement, but we're, we tend to be highly emotional and, uh, you know, explosive and our emotions are all over the place. Yeah. So what's interesting about emotions is uh, we experience them and they sort of uh, reflect back to us what we're experiencing in the world. And what I've learned over time is just not to stay in those states for very long. So we all get upset. We all get sad, happy, but it's, it's, I think um, you have to be the curator of, of those emotions. And uh, certainly when you're doing a film or a TV show or any kind of creative endeavor, um, if you're stressed, you can't be, you can't be at the top of your game and it's like an athlete, right? You don't want to bring, your you know your personal dramas onto the field you have to be completely there in service of the of the of the fans of the audience of the team and and do the job you were paid that you know called to do 
So walk me through a little bit about the development. I mean, you've, you've done multiple projects, but the Cubans most recently one. Walk me through the process. Does the story come to you? Does the script kind of beam in as a collaborative thing? Because some people love collaborative creativity. It feeds the engine the juices. Some of them are like, I, I got to get my space set before I bring in other people. How does it work for Sergio? Um, if people are honest, I think uh, for me, it's it's always personal. It's always per like, you know, the Cuban thing came from, you know, my father's obsession with Cuba and our debates about it. And, you know, we were always butting heads about it. And so I, I went to Cuba wanting to hate it. And then I fell in love with just the, the warm, incredible culture that it is. So it, it changed my life. Um, so yeah, I, it, that was sort of like, I'm driving down the highway. I drive a lot. I love those long country, country road, uh, you know, uh, I love being in the car and, and that's where I do my best work. And, uh, and then Alessandra, my, uh, collaborator and partner, she's a writer. So often we, uh, you know, we'll, um, just kind of riff on ideas and it, it, you know, it's strange. Something could have happened 20 years ago and it suddenly ties into what we're talking about. So a lot, a lot of this is subconscious or it just kind of like gets downloaded. Um, cause right now I'm thinking a lot about, um, thinking a lot about you know this so-called midlife crisis that a lot of men i know are going through and uh, identity crisis and the whole gender thing and i think there's a lot of confusion out there so I, i've been thinking a lot about that and so that you know that may end up in a film or a play or a short story or who knows but uh that that's how it works for me it just could be at the supermarket just boom you get an idea so so you don't have that space like i i love whiteboards I duel and I brain dump and my creative engine starts in the middle of the night and I, I, I wake up and I've used my phone in the middle of the night, write this idea down. Don't forget about this. Or, or I wake up and I'm right away to a tablet. I got to get it out of the, is that part of it? Or do you really have kind of a more of a controlled flow of being in the car and black everything else? Yeah, it's, um, it was like trial by fire for a long time and just like a fury of like travel, film festivals, this, that, and the other, and ideas would somehow come in, in the midst of the chaos. And what Alessandra and I learned most recently is that we need to be in a complete, uh, you know, centered state in order to do our best work. And then we come together intentionally to create. So we, we have to start scheduling that time and we really looked at the 80 20 rule. You know, we, we noticed that our days when we looked at our calendars were like 80, 90% meetings, administrative work, pitch meetings. And it's like, wait a second, where the, where the juice is, where the gold is, is on the creative stuff. So let's flip that and let's spend 80% of our time creating and coming up with ideas. So this year we came up with, I mean, we have eight or nine projects on our slate, everything from animations and documentary to feature film to limited series. Uh, and then the podcast, of course. So, yep. so it works. I mean, you know, we have to look back in history, the, the Leonardo da Vinci's, the whoever's like, they, they created that space and they created the environment in order for that to be able to happen. You know, it's, it's really good that you kind of bring that up because years ago, I, being a creative myself and my, I, my brain is a movie reel. I see everything in visuals all the time. Um, 
I had some people sit me down and say, you know, you're, you're, you're a good leader, you're a good administrator, but you're really great at this thing of creativity and visionary leadership. Do you ever just disappear for a day? Do you have intentional blocked off time to let yourself be in that creative space where nothing else is more important? I said, no. Again, I got calls, I got bookings, I got meetings. They said, cut half your stuff out, get in your sweet spot, and we will follow it. How liberating do you think that is for people to hear that they're allowed to be in that sweet spot and actually shut off the rest of it for a while on a regular basis? It's so important, and we're never taught that. You know, I had to struggle with that because of my immigrant upbringing and that work, that insane work ethic that I have to be hustling and working hard and suffering in order to achieve success. And uh, what I realize now, it's quantity over quality. And, you know, those deep think moments, uh, you know, I just came back from the Caribbean. That was very hard for me to shut off my phone and just be. And uh, but the, but that's what I need. And that's sometimes you need that or you need to go to the south of France and sip rosé. And some people, oh, that's frivolous or that, you know, you're just you're just on vacation. But they don't understand that the work happens when you're asleep, when you're. Yes. And I tell young directors this all the time and young artists is like. You have to be a director on the subway. You have to be a director on the toilet, in the shower, wherever you are. You have to embody those elements uh, because you just never know when you're going to be called on to to do something, or or when you get that brilliant flash. It could be in the shower, right? So you have to be ready. Again, that's why my phone is never falling. <laughs> <laughs> Got a question coming in, and again, thanks for streaming along. Please ask questions that we have in the sky log, but. Um, is there a problem for some of the, you know, personalities we, I briefly touched on, but the questions come in about, you know, as a director, how do you kind of handle that, manage that, work with that? Because everyone's a creative on, on your set. I mean, the list of people you had in Cuban were incredible. They're all creative. They all want to hit the mark, but how do you navigate that, handle that when sometimes the creativity spills over to, to a, a little stardom behavior, shall we say? <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, I've met a lot of my heroes, a lot of, we'll call them celebrities or A-list talent or whatever. And I had the privilege of working with a handful with some as well. And um, I find that most people at that level are super professional. Uh, and if everybody on the team senses that it's about the project and what we're here to do versus my insecurities, my ego, whenever I've seen flare-ups or experienced that, it's usually out of tremendous insecurity. So my job is to make sure that they, the, the artists are secure and that we're all clear on what the vision is. And, um, you know, we all have good days, bad days, you know, like there's certain people you can imagine that are very recognizable and, you know, it starts early in the morning from that morning jog when someone recognizes them to the they go grab a coffee and they're being harassed and then the paparazzi and the people going you know i know people that where people went through their garbage i mean that's it's that level of intrusiveness and it, that wears you down so of course people are going to have bad days but when you're on set it's about the work and uh and we're just like children in a sandbox we're all there to play and create and uh as long as we're creating and there's no ego um 
and I, I learned somewhere along the way that, that you know, I'm, leadership is not dictatorship. It's not being a tyrant, even though I've I, I seen that on set when I started people throwing chairs and being, you know, abusive that way that to me, that's not a leader. A leader is I'm going to cry with you. I'm going to laugh with you. We're in this together and we're on the wire together. And uh, I do my best to to make sure that um, they sense that. And, and, you know, a lot of actors are very intuitive. Uh, they read body language very well. And they can smell insecurity from a mile away. So you you just you want to be prepared. And and uh, like Alexander Payne said to me once, he said, just be honest always, especially with the brilliant actors, because they know when you're lying. So that takes me to a great point. Uh, again, I I watch all the behind scenes stuff of every movie. I geek out on watching this stuff, and I've heard it said and stuff that some directors are actor directors. They love to work on that collaborative relationship. Others are. That's the line. You're going to read the line. You're not going to come over to me and ask me about my interpretation of the character. Where do you fall on that from keeping that lively set of creativity, but also there is a story that you, your partner wrote out, created. Where's the line of protecting that and allowing the creative freedom that they have to bring the next level into? I mean, the whole point of bringing uh, like a Lugasa Jr. to the table is because he brings like decades of experience and there's not many people on the planet that were at the actor studio and knew James Dean and Marilyn Monroe. Like, you know, that's like a lot of experience. So um, there's this sort of misconception that directors micromanage and I'm going to tell you, take three breaths and two steps. And like, I don't even think, you know, James Cameron does that. You know what I mean? I, I think that, uh, you bring the best people to the table and let them do their job. And my, my role is to be a coach, uh, you know, um, a conductor. I, I, I'm not going to sit there and play the violin for you. I, I want to empower and sort of give direction, but, uh, but allow people to do their job. Take me back again to your early development of someone interviewed me today and asked me, how did you get to be a broadcaster? How did you be get the talk show guy that you got, got to be. What's your origin story? What got you in the film directing of all things? Yeah, I always dreamt about it. Um, it's just where I grew up, there was no trajectory. There was, it wasn't like my uncle, you know, was a famous producer or whatever. I didn't have any of that. Um, and, you know, I may as well have been, you know, on another planet growing up because it was so far removed from Hollywood. Um, but, you know, I, I one day... I had a vintage clothing shop. I was like in my early twenties and I met a director, a director just walked in or filmmaker. And he's like, Hey man, I made a movie. You should see it. And I'm like, what do you mean you made a movie? I thought, you know, only Spielberg and big directors in Hollywood make movies. So that's when I sort of understood that, um, this is a, you know, it's an art form. It's an international art form. It's universal. And anyone essentially could do it if you have the courage. And, um, so I went to work with him for a while and learned the ropes. And then, uh, and then one day I met James Cameron through a sort of series of serendipitous, uh, coincidences, we'll call them, even though there are no coincidences. Yep. And, and I told him I wanted to direct film and he said, well, then just pick up a camera and shoot something. And I was like, okay, sounds, sounds reasonable. Uh, you know, I didn't know all the, the adversity and challenges that I'd be faced with. Cause I mean, it's a, it's an art form where you're depending on dozens of people and sometimes millions of dollars for you to get in that sandbox and play. So, 
you know, that's um, a lot of stars have to align in order for that to happen. So it's a miracle every time, you know, anything gets made. But um, that's where I started. And then uh, I put an ad in a paper. I said, uh, you know, I have an idea to make a movie. I don't have any money. If you guys want to volunteer, here's my number. And, you know, literally uh, I got 100 calls and 40 some people showed up and we took off to another city and uh for a week we shot my first short film on 35 millimeter and uh that film ended up at the egyptian theater on hollywood boulevard in la and when i got there i was just so starstruck i saw actors i knew i recognized and you know actors that i loved and i was just like man this is so cool and i noticed sitting there watching people react emotionally to something i'd created um, I got addicted to that feeling of being able to move people emotionally. The power of storytelling. Yeah. It's, it's amazing when you learn the power of storytelling and how those creative juices connect from head to heart to you, 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 you bring them into an experience. Yeah. And they give you permission. That's the yeah. amazing part. It's like, I'm going to do a magic trick on you and you're going to go with it. <laughs> and you're going to pay your 15 bucks and buy overpriced popcorn. And we're going to do this thing together. And uh, it's pretty magical. It really is. When it comes to this whole creative power, again, the virtual stages here that I talk about, we have now in-person stages, hybrid stages. We have this streaming content. The media world is exploding. And I have to think that Hollywood directors like yourself are going to go, here's a whole new platform to not just explore it, but to create and play in is, is that now coming around too? that you, you guys are looking at this as legitimate place to be hundred percent. I embrace it. I know everybody's freaking out now about new technologies, AI, uh, virtual cinema, um, you know, online technologies. I embrace it all because they're just tools to help us tell stories. And, uh, you know, frankly, with virtual cinema, sky's the limit. Now the onus is on me to be creative. I can't make excuses anymore. Like, you know, I can't be on the face of Mars, you know, to make this movie because I can't afford it or I can't be in Times Square. Well, with virtual cinema, as it becomes more affordable, it's like sky's the limit. So, no, it's I, I think it's fantastic. And um, even when I worked on Arctic Dogs, we were doing a lot virtually uh with artists around the world and yeah. collaborating and you know it's uh, it changed the game it really did i mean you had jeremy renner james franco uh angelica houston alec Baldwin, john cleese heidi klum was were they all together doing that or were you remote doing different parts were they coming in separately because that whole animation creative side is completely different how did you pull that off with those people? Well, that, I mean, I was a cog in the wheel. It was a massive collaborative effort. Uh, you know, I just happened to be at most of the recordings and interfaced with, with a lot of the talent, which was fantastic. And I got to be on the floor with a lot of the artists on a daily basis and watch it all come together from it started with an idea on a napkin and then <clears throat> evolved into what it became. But um, yeah, they some of them. So the cool thing about animation is actors can just show up in their pajama or in their track pants, and uh, they can create. And 
without the pressure of worrying about makeup and hair and all that kind of stuff and lighting. So, um, so yeah, it was a fantastic experience. Some of the actors did their uh, voice recordings virtually. So mm -hmm. we would, uh, we would be, the team would be on Skype and, you know, John Cleese would be in England and boom, you know, do the recording. So it was, it was very cool. And it was such a privilege uh, to be a part of that. When, when, when you talk about creative, how much does that stretch and grow you personally creatively to be in that scenario like that instead of on set and knowing the angles and the lighting, it, it, this is a whole different creative process. Totally, totally creative, uh, totally different uh, animation. You're creating the blueprint in advance. And then once everybody agrees to that blueprint, then we build that building, you know, it's whereas live action, you know, when we were in Cuba, some days we didn't know what, what we were going to shoot the next day because locations would be changed at the last minute. Uh, you know, it was just complete mayhem. Um, so you have to think quickly on your feet with animation. You're doing a lot of that thinking beforehand. And then, uh, and then you spend two, three years building it. Uh, you speak about the Cuban challenge. I, I, <laughs> I heard a rumor. You had a one take one shot because you didn't have a permit. The permit was lost. Is this true? Did you do a list? Let's go. And we film and back up and go. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So it was on the, the main street in Havana, the Malikon, right on the, the seaside road. And there was a, a big famous hotel there, the Nacional. And we get there and my first AD who has worked on huge productions, he's like a very seasoned first assistant director. Um, and he's used to being very prepared and everything being sort of teed up and, and, and uh, set up in advance. And we get there and no one's there. And we're like, what is going on? And anyway, the, the crew finally shows up. The actors are there. The car is there, the, you know, the principal vehicle. And, um, and there's all these like modern cars zipping around. We're like, oh, man, what are we going to do? And then all of a sudden it was like the seas had parted. And literally there was a 20 minute window when some major diplomat showed up and shut the street down and we're just like what's going on and then we just all looked at each other it was magic hour the sun was falling and we're like let's go let's go and and boom that was and that happened twice it happened also when the media character walks in the water we had you know only one dress and one shot to get her walking in the water and the sun is setting and you know you kind of uh that's when the gods of cinema either shine on you or they don't but i you know i was super lucky and and I learned in that experience that a lot of creativity is about letting go. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I was exactly going to ask you as a director, are you inside going, ah, or are you saying, <laughs> this is fun. We're going for a ride, everybody. <laughs> it's like jumping out of an airplane. It's like once you jump, it's like, man, we're committed. We got to go. Like there's no, there's no time to kind of think about, you know, this is a disaster or, you know, who's to blame or any of that. You're just, it's go, go, go. And time is money. So yeah. Once you're and in, you're in. Some, some actors embrace that of just grab it. And some actors are like, no, no, I have no idea what you're going to do, what I'm going to do, how we're going to hit our marks. What was it like for your crew? Because these are all very seasoned pros. What was it like for them? Did they just fall into and go for it? Or they kind of look around the room or go really seriously? <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes I laugh because 
sometimes actors are only privy to a, a slice a piece so they don't really understand the global like the macro right so they don't sometimes they don't know what what i'm up to or what it's going to look like in the end so there's tremendous trust so they just do their part the best they can and bring options uh especially the talented ones and then and then they go away and they hope that you know it's all going to come together and and be fantastic but uh you know there's there's actors like lauren holly who's been around she knows all the technical she knows what's going on where the lights are and why and uh so you know they're, they're all very uh, actors are all very unique and different in terms of their approach um but yeah it's it's that's why i admire what they do because there's a massive letting go and surrendering and like there's a vulnerability and just allowing yourself to be captured in that way, in the most vulnerable way possible. And you hope that people around are going to respect that. So that's so, why I, I tell my crew just quiet, uh, respect, you know, the time that, that we're here and, and make sure that we give them the space to be able to create. So you brought it up a couple of different times, this whole idea of letting go. What would you say for a person that is struggling with creativity, stepping into it? They, they run a business, they are an industry leader, but there's a creative spark and the idea of letting go scares the daylights out of them. What would you say to help them embrace the thrill of that? Trust the process. You got to trust the process and trust your team. So you got to make sure that uh, even in the best of times, there's going to be friction and egos and, you know, some of the crew might think you're an idiot or don't agree with your vision. It doesn't matter. It's literally, you have to be committed to why you're there. And, and yet some people ha you have to remind yourself. So I know that early on, I met Donald Petrie Jr. And he said that every time he's shooting or editing, he has like little cutouts of an audience in front of the screen so that he's reminded this is for them. And uh, I thought that was brilliant because ultimately, yeah. even though we're expressing ourselves um, and getting satisfaction from expressing and creating, ultimately, it's about the audience. Um, it's for them, right? Wow. I love that. That's why I started my radio career, being in a room at 2 a.m. in a radio studio by yourself with a janitor. That's, that's it. And I just know when I'm alive, right? So there's a lot of acting in this room by myself. I did put pictures and things across the microphone. So I had somebody in my mind that I could talk to mm. because, and that's where the creativity came. Then I began to see the audience and I, I didn't need that. I mean, I've done this for so long and I'm, I'm sure this is true. You, you do see scenes before you even have a location. Did, did you have that yeah. in Cuban? And did you even have actors in mind to go, that's Lou Gossett Jr. That's hundred percent. You did hundred percent. And, you know, I was lucky. I got all the actors more or less that I wanted. Um, so it's just, yeah, sometimes it just, uh, the stars align and it all comes together. So yeah, that role was written for Lou and there was nobody else. So if he said no, we would have been, we would have been, uh, you know, messed. So yeah. What, what are the tips would you give? Like for some people, it is a whiteboard. Uh, do you storyboard out? Do you have uh, someone else do the storyboard and you come back and say, no, that's not it. How much are you in that process or is that not your, your way of being the creative genius? So when it comes to interviews like this, I don't, I don't like to prepare. Um, when it comes to filming, 
with the best intentions, you prepare as much as you can, but I don't storyboard. I don't like map out every single setup and frame and because it's an organic live living organism and you don't really know what the vibe is until you get there. And you can go to that cafe all you want by yourself. And I have, and I did, and, or in the Cuban, that, that hospice that we shot in. And I sat there at night trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do the next day. Um, once you get the cameras in there and the lenses and the lights and the people, it's just the vibe changes completely. So I, I find that frustrating because if you're too fixed on, here's my storyboard, it has to be exactly this. You're going to set yourself up for failure because there's several movies that get made. There's the script, which is one version of the movie. Yep. There's the movie you shoot, which is another version. Yeah. There's the movie you edit because my editor, Jane, for example, is, is brilliant and she brings her genius to the, to the cutting room floor. And, and, you know, so it reshapes itself again. And then there's the movie that you screen with an audience that has another vibe, another sort of experience. So for me, there's like three or four different versions of the movie. And uh, if, if you're, if you're too fixed on your vision, like I think in sci-fi you have to like star Wars or yeah. Man Mandalorian and, or, or, or an animation movie. Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, in, in the type of work that I do, it's, it's nice to kind of uh, be a little more fluid. So we are running a little bit over tonight. I want to be respectful of my guests. <laughs> uh, and I, I did warn you that I, I got to get really into this. I, no, I it's cool, sure man. We'll get on time with you. Uh, You're getting me excited. I want to like go make a movie tonight. Well, well <laughs> let's go. I'm on. Um, when it comes to... Uh, it's so collaborative in the filmmaking world. Let's bring it back to the business world and the life world. Mm -hmm. is that one of the struggles do you think that people are thinking I'm the creator, I'm the creative and everything's got to be me run through me. And we're afraid to bring in the collaboration. Do you think that's another one of the resistance level to embracing creativity because to really do it well. And I've experienced myself. I cannot do this alone. Heck no, no, you, you like you have to, if I can work with an Oscar award-winning you know, cinematographer, composer, actor, why wouldn't I, you know, like it's, it, the, you're only as good as your team. Right. And so I use sports a lot as an analogy. Uh, you know, you can't be, you can't be like top team in the NBA with a, you know, with bad players or players that don't believe in the coach or the, the you know, the vision or just there for a paycheck. Yes. It suffers. Like everybody has to be aligned in terms of what we're here to do. Um, so, you know, I, I sort of, when I started, I thought, well, I can't afford people with that kind of experience. So I'll just go with people at my level and you never grow, you never learn. It's like, you know, so as I started to get more mature in, in the business, uh, you know, I always strive for the best of the best if I can. And, uh, it's like Kubrick said, you know, you bring all the great ideas and I take credit for it. So it's, br <laughs> it's brilliant. What was it like? to sit down with Lou Gossett Jr. for the first time and say, I have this project, I have this idea. Because I don't think you knew him in advance, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. I did you not. You did not know him personally. No. So when you first approach him and you pitch this idea, what's that first experience? Because he really is an icon. Yeah, I mean, 
so we met the first time in Toronto with the whole team with uh, my producing partners and, and I, uh, he was staying at a hotel and we met and we literally just sat there and listened. Like, what are you going to say? Right. Um, and it was just, you know, he shared story after story. He was charming. He was very open, very, you know, I was nervous because I had seen officer and a gentleman a handful of times. I'm like, if that's who I'm meeting, like, you know, that's going to be a challenge. Uh, but, um, and then I met him at his home in Malibu, uh, which, you know, a friend of mine dropped me off. We were in LA and I walk in and I see pictures of him and the president and, you know, the Oscar on the mantle and roots. When I saw the roots poster, it all like clicked in my mind. I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm like here with, uh, you know, with a legend. And, uh, and he was just like, um, playful, open, warm collaborator. He's like, what, what are we going to do? What's this movie about? Tell me about it. And then we went out for dinner and, uh, and of course, you know, there's the older couple in the corner staring at it. We're in Malibu staring at the ocean and we, I keep seeing people staring. And then every once in a while, somebody would get up and say, oh, I just have to tell you, I loved you in this movie or that movie yeah. or, um, you know, anyway, I grew up watching Roots. Uh, my parents sat me down and made me watch it and, uh, and it changed my life. I never forgot that movie. So it was, it was a great honor. And he's just an amazing guy and it's become family. Interesting that you bring that up. I just watched a podcast streaming interview with LeVar Burton. Wow. And he was talking about that was his first big anything. They literally plucked him out of the kid and dropped him on the set. And he's working with Lou Gossett and other people. And he's he ends up becoming the A guy on, on the show, working with all these greats. And the story was like, it was collaborative. It was literally like, pinch myself in the morning. I get to do this. Mm -hmm. Do you ever feel that way? That you do, you wake up going, Oh, yeah, I'm in Cuba filming a film. <laughs> what am I doing? Do, 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 you, do you ever have that side too? Where this comes in, like, I get paid to play. It, it's it's a great honor, and uh, you know, you realize after, after a long time of meeting your heroes that we're all just people, you know, just trying to figure it out in this world, and you know, we all have our challenges, and uh, but there is that rite of passage and that respect, and you know, like. When I first met with uh, Lauren Holly for dinner, I said, like, I just can't believe that, you know, I'm going to say something, I'm going to embarrass myself, but Dumb and Dumber was one of my favorite movies. And she just laughed and told <laughs> me some great stories about her experience shooting that. And, you know, and then Shorey Dashlu, who's an incredible actor who I've known for years. And, um, well, she you know, was in The Expanse, right? She was in The Expanse and she was nominated for an Oscar for House of Sand and Fog. And so when we met the first time, I pitched the story and, you know, she got really emotional. She said, my dad, um, you know, dealt with Alzheimer's. And she said for that, I, you know, because of that, I really want to do this and, uh, and share the message of the film, which is that through compassion and the power of music, we can change lives. So this is my brother chiming in right now, Ed Bond. Hey, man. You, mother. He, his, yes. Our parents made us, we, we stopped and we watched it. <laughs> <laughs> So man, like, oh man, it's good to know our history, our collective history, and uh, it'll help us understand where we're going. I think it, it is so powerful. Um, there, there's just so much going through my mind. I definitely have to have you back again. We're definitely have to get, get <laughs> you back on. Um, what are some of the new projects you're working on? Well, what are the things that you said you're 
trading multiple streams and ideas right now. Well, what are some of the things you can kind of let us know to watch out for? Yeah, so we're developing a Scottish fairy tale uh, animation movie slash series. We don't know yet, but that's one of the projects. Um, we announced in Variety that uh, we are developing the world's first uh, female mob boss, uh, Bessie Starkman. So it's, uh, it's a limited series, and uh, it's sort of turning that genre on its head. And um, so that's very exciting. Um, and, uh, and then we have several movies that, that we're developing as well. And there we, um, we optioned the life rights for the, for Dr. Bernie Siegel, who's another, one of my heroes. Uh, he's 91 now. And, uh, he wrote love medicine and miracles. He was oh. the pioneer or the sort of, he opened the gateway to mind body medicine, uh, back in the eighties, he was on Oprah, New York oh, times yeah. bestseller and all that. Um, so yeah, we're developing a documentary based on his life and then, the plan is to develop that into a feature film. So um, much like uh, Patch Adams. Remember that movie? Oh, yes. I absolutely love yeah. Patch Adams. Yeah. And so they they were contemporaries. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's yeah, that's what we got cooking at the moment. Now, there's one aspect of the Cuban we haven't touched on. I, I, I mentioned it in the introduction, but the film deals with Alzheimer's. Yes. For many people, my grandfather, my grandmother passed away from Alzheimer's. My father may have early onset, possibly. It is a family discussion for us. But you did it in a way that was extremely authentic, extremely emotional. Why was that center to this story? Why did you make that so open and raw and real for everybody? Because you could have played it much safer. Yeah, I, I think that um, there's certain things you can't pretend, you know, and so I was lucky that we had people around us that knew the disease very well um, and knew we're sort of at the cutting edge of research. So we had access to these scientists and researchers and uh, experiments they were doing with music and sound and um so that was helpful, but you know, it was very personal to everybody involved. Um, so it, you know, it's more than just making a movie and that's always been our mission is to, to make an impact. So every movie we, or film or TV show we do, it has a view to either bringing more light into the world or shining a spotlight on, on some kind of social issue that we're dealing with. So in this case, it was the Alzheimer's uh, piece but, and also elderly care. Um, yeah. which is something that was very personal and something we were all dealing with in our, in our families. Um, yeah. I mean, in some ways, you know, there's elements of like, you know, Frank Capra and, you know, there's surrealistic elements and it's hopeful and maybe some critics may not like that, but we're, we're, again, we're making movies for audiences and, um, we just felt it was a, it was a good way to, uh, inspire people that, we're dealing with this or, or just, you know, being caretakers in general, there, there's a lot of people of our generation that are dealing with aging parents and uh, grandparents. So, um, yeah, so we did it in the most entertaining way that we could without being too morose and depressing. Right now there's a QR code up, uh, amazing, amazing film. This QR code takes you to the website page where you can watch it. The trailer's there. Fabulous. Um, it really pulls you in on so many levels. And I love films that make you go away thinking. 
I mean, I, I, I love a good blow up film as much as the best one. Every, you know, give sure. me Die Hard. It's great. 100%. But this is completely different. And I really want to, you know, let people know they can go watch us right now. Go, go pop some popcorn and grab this right now, right? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, also, I do want to mention here that we've been talking about the creative side and you do have a podcast. Uh, tell us about the podcast. Well, what brought this about for you? You're, you're a director. You're doing all this other stuff. You don't have time for a podcast. Yeah, it was born out of the, so I, we did a four month press tour because we were stuck at home in COVID. And so I was doing a lot of interviews and I was featured on a lot of podcasts and, you know, I was sitting around thinking, you know, how, how can I grow and evolve as a person? And, um, you know, and I have an eclectic group of friends and I thought, why don't I reach out to like an NFL all-star or, uh, you know, like an Oscar nominated actress or whatever, and really unpack what it is that makes them, you know, successful. So, so it's, it's, um, it's really bringing about awareness around mindset because a lot of artists, you know, like athletes have mental coaches, physical coaches, they have the fans, they have a whole team around them to make them great. And if they fall, you know, like I just watched that Conor McGregor series on Netflix and loved it. I mean, what makes this guy so great? Well, mindset and the people that he has around him. And he said at one point that he watched The Secret and he declared on camera when he was very young, I'm going to make more money than I know what to do with. I'm going to be the champion. I'm going to be the, the you know, I'm going to win the gold and all that. And everything he, he declared came true. So artists, when they're going to film school or art school or whatever, they're in high school. Uh, if we don't have mentors helping us, you know, figure out the mindset, visualizing, setting goals, the daily rituals, all that stuff, uh, you know, the odds are stacked against you. So in, in order for us to perform at the highest level, we need to get this right. And you mentioned mentorship. I know you're a mentor to others. Can you tell us about what your mentorship is and how you do help others? Because you love to give back. Clearly, you love to give back. What's it all about? Yeah, I, I, it gives it. It sort of gives me energy. Like when when I see emerging filmmakers and they're dealing with some of the issues they deal with. Sometimes I laugh. Sometimes I empathize. But um, but we all go through the same thing. And and. You know, what I learned traveling to international film festivals is how universal a language cinema is. And we, we there's this commonality, like we're all part of this circus family. And uh, and so, you know, I want to help as many people as I can to uh, to feel empowered enough to and, and acknowledge that, that their voice matters because uh, there's a lot of young artists that, um, you know, want to be heard and they're just afraid. So. I, uh, you know, I, I want to give them the, the courage and the support they need. One, one, one final question. We've kind of wind down here and thank you for the bonus time here tonight, but I think you were just at the cans, right? Were you at the cans? My team was, uh, okay. but yes, I've attended every year for the past, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Yeah. What is that like? Because I've heard great things and I've also heard that's a marathon too. <laughs> it's it's surreal because you get there, you're jet lagged and then the parties start and the drinking and this and then that it's like a lot of it is a blur. I don't know how much business is being done there, but um, I, I really value the the times that I spend. Like I, we were on a call today with somebody we met 
maybe 10, 15 years ago in Cannes. And it was at a dinner at a villa and there was like maybe 10 of us. And many of us has, have stayed in touch. So it's not the big parties and the galas and the red carpets that are really meaningful. It really is those intimate um, dinners and relationships that you develop over the years. And, uh, you know, I've been the most depressed at in Cannes, believe it or not. And I've been the oh, most wow. elated. Yeah, there, there was one year where I'm just like, you know, on yacht, I think Elon Musk was there and Paris Hilton and God knows who else. And uh, the next day, I'm just sitting there staring at the ocean going, what am I doing here? What is this all about? And what does it have to do with making movies? And Rob Marshall was beside me and he's like, look around, man. It's not so bad. Life's good. And I'm like, yeah, life is good. Life is good. So it's uh, a lot of it is perspective, but it just feels very, uh, you got to be grounded or else you get super lost in it all because there's a lot of noise there sergio we've been sharing some of your social media here tonight what's the best way to find you follow you um to just see what's up next for you yeah i'm on twitter instagram facebook and then uh, my website of course and uh, i'm always open to connect with folks and answer questions and support when i can and collaborate and whatever so I, i'm very accessible and uh I'm really excited to be here. This is really cool. And, uh, and, uh, you know, you triggered me to be more creative. <laughs> oh, well, last minute question coming in from the audience here. How do you stay so grounded? That's a, that's a beautiful question. Because have you, you met, have you met my family? You should. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. Yeah. My family keeps me grounded. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's funny over the years, like I'd be at a movie premiere. I'd be like, ma, we won the award, but, did you get paid or, uh, you know, like it's, yeah. So I, I have a very balanced life. I have my family life. I have other interests outside of film. Uh, I know some people are like film geeks and just like kind of live in that world exclusively, but, um, I have, you know, several other things that, that I do besides make films. So I'm a human first, uh, you know, a father partner and all those things. So, um, I think that helps me stay grounded. Yeah international award-winning director, producer, creator, Sergio Navarrito. Thank you very much for being with here tonight. This has been great. Thank you, Holler Rich. I'm honored to be here. Don't forget, Holler Rock Stage, every Wednesday night, we stream live. We have amazing guests like this each and every week. It's brought to you by the National Speakers Association and now, again, partnered with our new Adavita Studios. They are now going to take this show and we're going to turn into an audio podcast and it'll go live 11 a.m. Eastern time on Thursday. We do that same process every week now. Audavita Studios, thank you very much for leveraging your power to make Rock the Stage be stronger and stronger. That's going to do it for tonight. We look forward to being back next week. As always, you can reach out to me, rich at richbontrager.net or just go to rockthestagemedia.com. Thanks again for an amazing guest and a great conversation. We'll see you next week at 7 p.m. Eastern Time.